0: Welcome to the Night Parlor. Welcome back to The Night Parlor. I'm your host, Joshua Rex, once again. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with horror author Tyler James. Tyler lives in Sweet Hollow, Wisconsin. He's a member of the Horror Writers Association and has had stories published in Hypnos Magazine, Cosmic Horror Monthly, Penumbra Speculative Fiction Magazine, The Literary Hatchet, The Other Stories Podcast, and several anthologies. He is the author of the collection Matters Most Macabre, And has most recently, I'm sorry, and most recently from Weird House Press, the collection uh, Beneath the Jack-O-Lantern Sky: Tales of Sweet Hollow. Tyler, thanks so much for joining me in the night, probably this evening. I'm I'm thrilled to have you.
1: Thanks very much for inviting me on, Josh. Very excited to discuss with you.
0: Well, first off, congrats on your new collection. Um, I want to start by talking a little about Beneath the Jack-O-Lantern Sky. Uh, It's set in a town called Sweet Hollow presumably Wisconsin. Uh, Where did the idea for this specific book come from? And I guess as a follow up, how long did it take you to write these stories?
1: I would say that it took me about a year and a half to write these stories. And the greatest influence for the book is um, Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles, just because he had the idea of having all these short stories that would interconnect into uh, a bigger picture or a bigger narrative. And I always thought that form was uh, very interesting. And so that's what I tried to do with Beneath the Jack-o'-lantern Sky. Most of these stories I wrote in the uh, cool comfort of my basement during the summer. And uh, during the winter, uh, a lot of these stories I wrote when I had a job as a um, basically a security guard for a shut down uh, dairy factory and I had to make a round of this crumbling gross old place once every hour and I wrote books on the clock and it was probably the best job it was the best job that I ever that I ever had and a a lot of the stories in this book uh, were written there as well and I'm primarily a short story writer. uh, I'm not a novelist, although I am working on a novel now. It's in its second. So I thought that this was sort of my my cheat to getting as close to a novel as I can at the moment, which is stringing a bunch of short stories together and interweaving characters and, and of course, an overarching theme.
0: Well, I think, uh, I I can't recall, but is the Martian Chronicles, does Ray Bradbury actually call that a novel? I, I think he might... I think he does call that. it a novel yeah yeah yep. so, so it's, that's that's interesting I bet you had plenty of inspiration to walking around that abandoned uh factory that must have been uh must have been pretty chilling in areas I'm guessing
1: yes there's many times uh well especially because I was doing overnights so I uh, you would do a double take every once in a while oh did I did I see that out of the periphery of my vision did I and of course you have these these old uh pipes that are clanking when the heat comes on and so forth.
0: Yeah, you were there by yourself, working by yourself at this place? Yeah, right? Yes, yeah, Wow. yeah. Well, I guess kind of going off that, uh, you know, my next question is kind of who are some of your primary influences? Sound like Ray Bradbury is probably one, but I'm wondering uh, also in addition to that question, you know, so what, what draws you to horror and the speculative? Have Have you always sort of written in this uh, in this genre or is it something that you've, you've kind of uh, you know, been attracted to it progressively over time?
1: I think that I've always had an interest in the macabre from a very young age, uh, having been drawn to uh, like, I suppose my first exposure to the macabre was through horror films. Um, And, you know, my parents would have these VHS tapes lying around and uh, I would put them in and absolutely uh, love these movies. Um, And, my parents didn't necessarily encourage this, but they also did not say that I could watch these films. And so from an early age, I had a fondness for darker things and darker stories. Uh, the, the stories that I loved best were the ghost stories. Um, and uh, I would say that some of my favorite uh, authors other than Ray Bradbury are uh, Robert Bloch has had a great influence on me, um, as well as Harlan Ellison. Uh, I think all three are Midwest writers. Um, uh, Neil Gaiman continues to to inspire. And uh, uh, more recently, I would say, uh, I've been digging more into Joyce Carol Oates. She, she has a book called uh, Haunted Tales of the Grotesque that I thought was just a really fantastic collection of macabre tales.
0: I agree. That's a a thrilling book.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And also, uh, perhaps at this point, a a cliche to say, but uh, Hemingway and Vonnegut are influences on me as well. I I love authors that write stories that only they themselves can write. They have voices that are uniquely their own.
0: Would you say uh, that you find reading a lot of these Midwest authors that there's maybe a Midwest aesthetic that you see sort of tying any of these together or or no?
1: I think so, Uh, especially in Bradbury's writings, there's atmospheric or environmental descriptions of the Midwest that are breathtaking. Uh, It is, it can be a very beautiful landscape uh, and um, it's one that has, Found its way into my stories a a lot um and actually i think within the past year i have written more about the the midwest landscape than i've ever had before only because i think i've consciously realized that it is a very um beautiful place you know the fields and the hills uh, especially in autumn are are quite quite pretty
0: did you grow up in the midwest
1: i did um i primarily grew up in the midwest i did spend a couple years of my childhood uh in idaho up in the mountains and so i saw a little bit of that territory as well but p- primarily yes i've always lived in the midwest
0: were you old enough for that experience in idaho do you think to be formative
1: oh yeah i think it influenced me uh, very deeply
0: well uh moving on a little bit uh what is your writing schedule routine like and and how have you kind of balanced it with your family life i, I know you have uh Uh, Daughter, um, what is it like trying to get those pages in every day? Uh, I mean, I remember doing it just trying to do it for work in the morning. Uh, I can't imagine having children and family and trying to do it. Uh, Could you talk a little bit about how that all fits in, how that all works in your daily life?
1: I'm very fortunate in that I have a very uh, supportive wife who understands when I need blocks of hours to. commit to uh, making up stories. Um, it, it's very obvious when I don't get those box of flowers because I start to behave oddly. I get I, I get cranky or I get uh, awkward, more likely I get awkward. Um, and so she will pick up on these things sometimes and she'll say, "Oh gee, I think you need to go right." And of course she's always correct. Um, so I'm very fortunate in that way. and my daughter, has always been, uh, well, firstly, she's brilliant and she's always been very independent. And so, uh, we spend a suitable amount of time together, but she also likes her, her solitude, uh, which is uh, a mutual, um, advantage, I think. Um, so I get up every morning. I, I don't get up insanely early. I think if I get up at seven, that's great for me. And I try to, um, get two hours down at least. And uh, if I'm writing a, a short story or if I'm writing a novel, I will try to get at least uh, 1,500 words down. And if I'm editing, I will try to get seven pages edited. Um, and I do that every morning. There there are m- mornings, of course, where I work in early shifts and I can't get, I, I don't have the time. And so I will either jot down ideas on my lunch break just as a sort of mini uh, catharsis and then if I'm not utterly brain fried by the end of the evening I will I will find some time during the night to get up out of bed sneak into the basement and write down a page or two.
0: So you have your own space then in the basement is primarily where you're working? Yes. Have you ever worked by longhand?
1: I primarily work uh, on the computer. I like to save longhand for poems for some reason. I find that when I'm writing, uh, writing lyrics or poetry, that the doing that on the page is somehow much easier. There's a lot more scribbling going on. There's a lot of crossing out um, instead of hitting the backspace repeatedly. Uh, but for whatever reason, the the paper works very well for me in poetry. Other than writing on the computer, I do. I have an old uh, 1940s Royal uh, typewriter, and the thing is really really heavy i mean it's just it's not it's not portable at all um and i actually wrote and sold my first professional short story uh using the the typewriter and it was a story called the typewriter Um, and uh, i sold that to an anthology um, i think back in late of 2019 uh, for for 25 bucks and so that typewriter has an honored place uh, to my right, actually. and if if I'm doing a first draft on something, i'll I'll sit down on the typewriter. Or if I want to sit outside and I don't want that glare of the sun on the computer screen, um I'll bring the typewriter out and, you know, clunk away. but I, I, I do think it's very interesting the medium that one chooses uh, to write with, because I suppose we're all trying to pick the one, which allows us to uh, get into what these days I think is called a flow state. Where you're able to uh, get into a creative space where you're playing and you're having fun and you're at your most uh, creative without without really thinking about it, you know. Um, so for some people, I think that's the uh, the typewriter, and for some it's it's, it's handwriting. And um, I think that if I think any of those mediums would be would work for me, if I. I prefer the the the, um, the computer but if I were you know if I had no choice and and I had only a notebook and a pen or a typewriter I think I would easily after some time find my way into that same study creative state
0: you're also a musician and painter uh, and I play, was playing some of your music last night and I, you got a great voice. I mean it's good, kind of like Andrew Bird. it reminded me a little bit of, but darker. Uh, I, I really liked it, I liked your songs. Thank you. And, and I'm wondering were you writing songs and making art before you started writing or were and are all of these forms kind of developing at the same time?
1: Before I thought that I would be a writer, and I've always been writing, off and on, but never with great determination was I was I writing. Um, but in my early twenties, I learned how to play guitar and a little harmonica, and I thought, well, in in all my naivety, that I would uh, be a, a musician, and so I started writing my own songs and and playing in dive bars, and um, and that was interesting for a while. Um, And I still pick up the guitar now and then, Uh, but um, I I guess I've always had a number of interests and passions, but I reached a point in my life where I decided I needed to uh, pick one passion and pursue it as single-mindedly as possible. And so I guess it would be a little over three years ago, I decided that writing would be the thing that I would absolutely dedicate all my creative um powers toward um i guess it goes back to the to the old adage that uh, uh a jack of all trades is a master of none which isn't necessarily always true but i think for me it probably it, it is um and so i have put the music uh, aside to 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 write short stories um but the good thing is um that the guitar is always there when you need it you know it's always a, a, a cathartic uh, medium that's at your disposal. Um as for painting, i um, I enjoy it. I love messing around with colors, but uh, I'm absolutely skillless. You know I just I just um, I have a canvas and I mess around with it, and um, I try to paint um, subjects that I think are really fun and that I can actually pull off. But as for talent, I absolutely have none. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I did, however, check out a a lot of your artwork on your on your website, and you are very talented, I think, and that that was very interesting work.
0: Well, that's very kind of you to say thank you. I'm interested in this your response to this, too, because I think we've had very similar paths and how we've come to uh, becoming writers, you know, I haven't painted in a while, but that that used to be something too. you know, it, it's like you're using these different, um, whatever these different hemispheres of your brain, I don't know if that's the case, but uh, to to sort of uh, go into these realms and sort of quench that creative drive. Do you find that, uh, it sounds like you may, do you find that's the case with, you know, what you're doing when you're taking, you know, a break from writing to paint or taking a break from writing to play music?
1: I think so. I think that they all have their their place. And uh, they all do depend on what you're needing uh, creatively at that moment. Um, So, yes, absolutely. And um, like you mentioned, I, I do think it's very interesting the process that one goes through in discovering their creative passions and also discovering the ones that they want to dedicate most of their energy and time to. Um, and for me, I think that that plays into identity a great deal. Um, the, the, the creation of who you are or the discovery of who, you're, who you are, I suppose. So I, I sort of consider uh, my brief music career uh, as one identity. And then I sort of found uh, another one with with uh, with painting and another one with writing. And I suppose, I think I mentioned earlier about the the hope of developing a a particular voice that would be as a writer that would be a signature but I think that truthfully I have I have many voices and uh, not to uh, misuse the term but I think creatively a lot of us are schizophrenic I always felt like I could be anybody and I think that helps a lot with with writing um, a multitude of different stories so that they're not all one note it reminds me of the uh, the Whitman line, you know, I contain multitudes.
0: Well, since we're in October, uh, I have to ask, what is your favorite horror film and why? And kind of following up then uh, in, in another media, what's your favorite horror novel and why?
1: I have a fondness for, for older horror films, in particular, black and white, uh, universal movies. I would say that, of course, I love all the, you know, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, those are excellent movies in in my opinion. Uh, But I'll talk about one that is not mentioned as often. There's a film called The Old Dark House which came out in 32 or around that time. Uh, And it's one of my very favorite movies ever. Uh, It is directed by James Whale, who also did the Frankenstein films. Uh, And it's got Boris Karloff, not in his Best role, but uh, as uh, an entertaining um, ominous figure. But it also has Ernest Thessinger in it, uh, who plays Dr. Pretorius in the Bride of Frankenstein movies, uh, and also a very young Charles Law. In uh, the the movie is a is a comedy, and it's a eerie horror film. What I like about it is it's it's the perfect movie to watch on a dark and stormy night because it's just absolutely raining and thunder crashing like mad the entire film that seems to be the entire soundtrack and there's this curious uh per- well it's about um, a group of people who are who are driving through this nasty storm uh, almost sliding down this muddy mountain time and time again and they come to this old house um out in the middle of nowhere and um you have these strange uh the strange family that lives there and uh, you think that Karloff is the main villain, but there's this strange person by the name of Soul who lives in the upstairs rooms, and Soul likes to start fires. Um, so I would say that's my favorite horror film. Um, as for books, gosh, that's quite difficult. I would say The Collected Stories of Robert Bloch, Volume 1, is one of my favorite books. As well as, uh, let's see. To so look behind me here. Uh, yes, the essential Harlan Ellison. I realize that's not a novel, so perhaps I'm cheating. But I'm I'm just absolutely in love with short story uh, mm-hmm.
0: collections. That's a perfectly fine answer. Yeah. Uh, I love the old dark house. I know that film. I saw it uh, actually, just incidentally, just like a year ago uh, for the first time, and was struck by. First, just how weird it was, especially for the 30s. Uh, and then, of course, it's got uh, a very young Gloria Stewart in it, too, uh, who yeah. was the old woman in Titanic, which I was uh, shocked to see. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's an interesting Karloff film. Uh, it is so moody and so well done for how early it is. Uh, the 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 use of the car the contrast of of the really ramshackle kind of house the uh, yeah, the incessant rain that's just way too hard to be real rain yes, <laughs> I yes, love absolutely. all of those aspects about it uh, you know the, the way that there, there's there seem to be some aspects of it too that um, that sort of prefigure a lot of things you see in horror movies with the surprise couple just showing up then you know later on and you know the discussion by the fire the rising tensions all that uh, yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that film. That, that's a that, that's a that's a fantastic one. Oh, so, Tyler, what are you going to read for us today?
1: I'm going to read uh, the first two pages of I believe it's the fifth story in the new book, and it's called "Night of the Child." This story is my my absolute ode to the Halloween holiday. Uh, there are approximately there's three or four halloween stories in this collection um so they're not all halloween tales but they all sort of elicit an october feeling uh but this one is my my ode to halloween and it is about um three kids who are going to explore a very creepy old house um and so this is the beginning of the story and sort of the descriptions that lead up to the to the events Night of the Child. For every small town, there are a few universal traits. The pretty girl next door, the downtown drunkard, the old man with the snarling Doberman, male men beware, the English teacher who pens mystery novels, and then, have you guessed it yet? Yes, of course, the haunted house. Like a malignant growth surrounded by small town perfection, the hideous tomb-like dark of an ancient Victorian looms in shadows over lush green grass and towers its blackened chimney into crisp blue sky. A grotesque obelisk, a rotting spine that shivers in moonlight. Even in midsummer, a breathtaking October chill consumes every child who bicycles past the manor. If particularly daring, they'll glance up at this anachronistic monstrosity and wonder. Did they see something twitch the dusty curtains just then? Did they hear skeletal fingers scratch the window? Or was it merely wind turning the rusty weather vane? The heart pounds in such moments. The heart pounds, the skin crawls, and all the mystery of the world doubles. For a child, that which constitutes the natural and unnatural, the real and unreal, are contentious prospects, ones that will not be settled until they reach adulthood. A child's world is one of magic and paradox and impossibly spooky things. For adults, the manor was merely an eyesore, something to be cursed and eye-rolled for lowering the real estate value. Adversely, the children found the decadent old house on the corner of Block and Liver Street inestimably frightening. Its very existence seemed to rage and rebel, an expectoration in the face of natural order. There was no name for this tumorous estate, save for the manor, a simple enough moniker which nonetheless sent chills down the spines of any kid who saw it or even so much as listened to its legions of legends. To the manor's left, Kenny Vandermeer's house stood with its two-car garage, well-manicured lawn and white picket fence. Kenny spent most of his time alone reading books. To the manor's opposite side, Anna's house appeared identical to Kenny's, save for a turquoise front door as opposed to lacquered azure. A conformity of houses, strategically aligned into columns and streets, squared upon immaculately trimmed estate, formed the natural order of suburbia. The Victorian manor, with its weathered clapboards and grimy windows and black shingle-checkered roof and sagging porch and paint-chipped door, remained a monster, a misfit, and a metaphor. To all the children in the Midwest town of Sweet Hollow, this gigantic squalid structure represented, quite simply, the unknown. Kenny, lying in bed reading a science book, gazed out his window at the ramshackle manor and felt as if he could gaze upon the face of the unknown itself." And I'll stop there. That's just sort of the descriptions that lead up to all the fun uh, events of that story.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. I love how you talk about the difference between how the kids and the adults see it. Um, one of those interesting aspects of childhood, how these things shift uh, you know, from uh, a thing of sort of terror to just sort of an eyesore later on. Uh, That's well well done in that regard. I really enjoyed that. Thank you, Tyler. You've got a great reading voice. Uh, That is from Beneath the Jack-o'-Lantern Sky, Tales of Sweet Hollow by Tyler James. Appreciate it. Uh, So tell me, what's next for you? What are you working on right now?
1: Right now, I'm working on the second draft of a novel. Uh, Again, I mentioned earlier that I'm previously a short story writer. But right now, I'm writing um, a Halloween novel uh, for Weird House Press. Uh, I'm in the middle of a second draft uh, right now. This, uh, if I can pull this one off, it'll be my, my debut novel. Other than that, I have a whole heck of a lot of short stories Uh, every day. I'm drumming up new ideas for new stories. Uh, So there will be another collection on the way. Um, There's not a title for that one yet, but uh, yes, I got a novel and uh, dozens of short stories that I'm editing and, uh, putting together into uh, multiple collections, um, and on the side, uh, whenever I get bored of short stories, I have a bunch of poems that I'm working on. I'm hoping to release a poetry book at some at some distant uh, time.
0: Well, you sound extraordinarily busy indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. Look forward to your novel uh, coming out from Weird House here uh, potentially next year. I guess maybe fingers crossed.
1: Yes, I think next year.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, Tyler, it's been great chatting with you today and uh, and hearing some of your work and some about your process. Thank you so much for joining me in the night parlor and I hope to have you back in the future to hear about uh, some of your other projects and talk about them.
1: Oh, I'd love to come back. Thank you so much, Joshua.